Well, if you have your Bible, please turn to Psalm 42. Am I on? Yes. Psalm 42. And uh, before we read the passage, let us pray and ask the Lord for his help. For both myself to preach the word accurately and for you as well to be attentive hearers of the word of God. Let us pray. Our gracious God and Father, we will thank you for this wonderful opportunity that we have to gather in this place, to worship you, to pray, and to hear your word preached. We thank you that we have this book we call the Bible. We thank you for the word of God, and we do pray that tonight you would help us to align our thinking, align our thoughts, align our soul to what is written therein. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Psalm 42, that is a familiar psalm to many of you. And I'd like to bring a message that I have titled, Hope for the Depressed Soul. Hope for the Depressed Soul. It was not my intention to preach on this theme, on this topic of depression, but uh, um, in the last couple of days, uh, on Sunday, I was in Liverpool and I asked the congregation, what can I pray for? And the word depression just kept coming out of the mouths of these people. And, uh, and as, as I was coming down from Liverpool to Oxford on Sunday, I heard the prayer request from this pulpit and the word depression was mentioned. And I was thinking to myself, Lord, should I change? Should I preach on this theme? And then on Monday, uh, a teacher came up to me and with tears in her eyes, she was in severe pain. And she said, John, you need to pray for me. I am in bad shape. And she was also in that state of depression. And that is a theme that is not alien to the scriptures. The scriptures does talk about depression. And that should give you some hope at the outset. In Deuteronomy, in fact, I will show you this. In Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter 28. There God is telling the people of Israel the blessings and the curse. You may remember that. The blessings and the curse. If you obey me, I will bless you. But if you disobey me, these will be the curses. And when you read the curses, it gives you a description of what it would be like to be depressed. And in Deuteronomy chapter 28, I will read that for you. You don't have to turn there. You can if you want to. But Deuteronomy chapter 28, from verse 64 onwards, we read the following. And the Lord shall scatter thee among all people from the, from the one end of the earth, even unto the other. And there thou shalt serve other gods, which neither thou nor thy father have known even wood and stone. And among these nations shall thou find no ease. You're not going to find ease. That's the first thing you see. Neither shall the sole of thy foot have rest. There'll be no rest. But the Lord shall give thee a trembling heart and a failing eyes and sorrow of mind. Then you get a description of what it would feel like to be under the rule of a Gentile nation. Failing eyes, sorrow of mind. Let me read in 66. And thy life shall hang in doubt. You will live in doubt before thee. And thou shalt fear day and night. Have you been there before? Living in fear day and night. 
And then we read, and, and thou shalt have no assurance of thy life. There'll be no assurance. So no ease, no rest, trembling heart, failing eyes, sorrow of mind, your life hanging in doubt, fear day and night, no assurance of thy life. And then we read this. In the morning thou shalt say, would God it were, it were even. That is, you wake up in the morning and you say, would God that it was evening. You wouldn't want to wake up. Further on, we read this. And at even, that is evening, thou shalt say, would God it were morning. And when it comes to the evening, you would say, oh, would God it was in the morning. In other words, you're living a depressed, you are in a depressed state, a depressed condition. The Bible is not alien when it comes to this theme. Those experiences are not alien to the scriptures. And let me remind you, living in a fallen cursed world with broken bodies and broken minds and a sinful heart living in depression or being depressed is a reality not only that you read about individuals in the bible who were in that condition think about job the man who was righteous upright who feared the Lord, who turned away from evil. And yet this man lost all his children. He lost all his livestock. He was bankrupt, you might say. He was struck physically, afflicted with disease. And initially, Job's response was this. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But then when you come to chapter 3 of Job, we read, let the day perish wherein I was born. The day I was born, let that day perish. So overwhelmed was this man, Job, that he didn't want to live anymore. Have some of you here been there? Or others listening on the live stream? Not only Job, think of Elijah, the mighty prophet of God who stood against the prophet of Baals. That same prophet later on is running for his life out of fear because of Jezebel. He felt so defeated, so worn out, and so weary that he says, O oh Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. That's Elijah, the man who prayed fervently, and yet he was in a depressed condition. Jonah, the reluctant prophet, he went to Nineveh and preached the gospel there, even though he didn't want to, and the people were converted, and yet he didn't like it. And we read in Jonah chapter 4, Therefore now, O Lord, I beseech thee, I beg you, my life from me, take away my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. That's Jonah. That's Jonah. And finally, Jeremiah. I love Jeremiah. He's one of those men that I would like to, you know, in heaven, just give him a hug. He is a man who went through so much suffering. Jeremiah, the, the weeping prophet he's known as. The weeping prophet. He suffered so much, rejected by his people, persecuted by his own people. 
He was a, he ministered alone. He was forbidden to marry and have children. His people took him in captivity. He watched his people being taken captive by Babylon. He's the one who wrote the book of Lamentation. And yet Jeremiah would write later on, Wherefore came I forth out of the womb? Why did I come out of the womb? Jeremiah is saying, because all I see, all I see is trouble. All I see is, is sorrow. Overwhelmed by circumstances, subdued by the harsh reality of life, crushed by life's trouble, tossed to and fro by the waves of circumstances in this world. And as a result, all sorts of emotions comes out of you. That's being in a depressed condition. Since we live in a fallen world, we have broken minds and bodies surrounded by Satan and his minions. You know, the question is not whether or not you will have a depressed soul in this world. The question is, how are you going to respond? How do you respond rightly when you are in a depressed condition, when you have a depressed soul. And I would like you to know that the Bible does give hope for the depressed soul. The Bible does give us answers for the depressed soul. And Psalm 42 is the place where I would like you to go in order to see that. Psalm 42. Psalm 42. Written by King David. This David who killed Goliath, this David who became king, this David who won victories on behalf of God's people. In Psalm 42, we find, we find this David in a depressed condition. Let us read Psalm 42, beginning in verse 1. Psalm 42, verse 1. To the chief musician, masculine for the sons of Korah. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my, my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope in God. Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. We'll stop there. The depressed soul of David. Look in verse 1. Now let us see how David felt. In verse 1, we read this. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. There you find David in a state of exhaustion. That's what you see in the text. You might say he is spiritually dry. 
implying there is no joy, no happiness in the life of David at this point. He is dry. He is parched in a state of exhaustion. There's no security but fear. And there is a sense of distance from God, which is why he is thirsting after God. That's what we see in verse 1. A man with a, a, a life that is dry. Verse 2, we read, My soul thirsted for God, for the living God. When shall I come up and appear before God? When shall I again, David says, be in his presence? Do you realize that when you are in a depressed state, in a depressed condition, you do not feel the presence of God? That's where David is. And notice also he says he's thirsting for the living God. In the context of the time, David is likely running away from his enemies. And since he's running away from his enemies, he's not near the temple. He's surrounded by idols. And he says, I am thirsting after the living God. He knows that he needs the living God. That's what his soul is after. But his soul is dry. Verse 3 of Psalm 42. My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? Day and night I am weeping. I am in a very, and I am in an emotional state, emotional turmoil, incessantly crying. I know people when they're depressed, they just cry. Sometimes they cry and they don't even know why they're crying. And there we find David, who can I'm sure identify with some of you here, crying day and night. And whilst he's doing so, his enemies are saying to him, where is your God? David, we see your countenance. You look sad. David, where is your God? Tell us. Where is your God? We see you suffering. We see you in a state of despair. So tell us, David, where is your God? And he becomes more depressed. As he looks back at the past, look in verse 4. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Now he looks back at the past when he was in the house of God, when there was joy. And he longs for that. That's how David felt. That's how he felt. And so in light of the emotional state of David, in light of his depressed condition, how does David respond? How does he respond? And that's what I would like to show you today. There are three ways in which David responds to his depressed condition. And I would like to show that to you. And they're all found in verse 5. Three ways of responding to a depressed soul. I'll tell you the three things. It's interrogation, exaltation, and determination. I'll go through them. Don't worry about that. Interrogation, exaltation, and determination. And, and the reason why I, I want to, to emphasize on these is so that you may have hope when, you, when your soul is depressed. And more than that, 
very important that you will be equipped, equipped to know how to help somebody else to deal with their depressed soul. You know, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and we ought to love one another. And part of our calling as believers is to come alongside other believers and help them in their trials, in their struggles. And so it's not, maybe you say, I'm not in a depressed state right now, but you need to be equipped and know how to deal somebody else who may be in that condition. So the first thing we see, the first way of responding to a depressed soul is interrogation. What do I mean by that? Look in verse five at the beginning. We find David interrogating his soul. Verse five. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? There we find David interrogating his soul, asking his soul questions. Why are you in that condition? Why are you in that state? Why are you cast down, O my soul? That word cast down means brought low. It means fainting, despair, being in a state of hopelessness, despondent. That's what it means to be cast down. Why art thou disquieted within me? That word disquieted means disturbed. Your thinking is not aligned with your emotion, with truth. And so David then, in light of all of that, he asks his soul questions. He interrogates his soul. But I would like you to notice what David does not do. It's important when you read your Bible to also notice what the author does not do or what the individual in the Bible does not do. Notice that David does not follow through with his emotions. He does not do that. He does not follow through with his emotions. He does not allow his emotion to dictate his behavior. He does not do that. Unlike our generation today, where the emotions, where desires and feelings have been so elevated to the extent where they begin to define the person. Today, the philosophy of the day is this, the supremacy of my feelings and emotion. That's the philosophy of our time. Such that if I feel like, for example, that I am a woman, therefore it must be true. That's the philosophy of our time. The emotions have been so elevated to the point where it begins to define the person. And as believers, we cannot allow our emotions, our feelings, our desires, even though God gave it to us, we cannot allow them to dictate our behavior. Truth must dictate our behavior. And what we find in the text is that David, he does not allow his emotions to direct his behavior. Instead, he interrogates his soul. He interrogates the inner man. That's what he does. You see that in the Apostle Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, Paul had spoken about all the sufferings he's been going through. And then he says, I do not faint. I faint not. I do not lose heart. Why do you not lose heart, Paul? Because I am focused on the inner man, which is being renewed day by day. The outward body is decaying. It is perishing. But the inward man is being renewed day by day. 
David asked his soul questions. And let me say this to you. That is part of Christian living. Part of Christian living is examining yourself, right? Examine yourself to see whether or not you're in the faith. Also examine the state of your soul. When you are in a depressed condition, when you are in a depressed state, ask yourself these questions. Why soul? Why are you cast down? Why are you in turmoil within me? Why is that? Because if you don't, you'll be prone to follow through with your emotions. And you know where that can lead. You know where that can lead. When you're in a depressed state, you begin to use coping mechanism. We even have a term for it, coping mechanism. For some people, it's alcohol. For some, it's the fridge, food. Just eat, 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 eat because, you, because you're in a, in a depressed state. For some, it's no eating at all. And then they suffer from anorexia. For some, it's the television or video games or even your phone. Unhealthy relationships. You feel so insecure and you, you, you need relationships. That's what your emotion tells you. Or even some people, they contemplate death. Because again, they follow through with the emotions that's coming out of a depressed soul. So when you and I are in a depressed state, let us interrogate our soul. Don't follow through the emotions, but interrogate your soul. That's what David does. So that's the first one, interrogation. The second one is exhortation. Look in verse 5 again, 5b. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. Stop there. Hope thou in God. David not only interrogates his soul and asks his soul why, why, why. He also exhorts his soul to do something. That's what the word exhort means. You know, the, the difference between preaching and teaching is this. In preaching, you are exhorting people. You are urging them. You're calling upon them to action. In teaching, you're just giving them knowledge. And here, David is preaching to his soul. He's exhorting his soul. Soul, you're cast down. You are in a depressed condition. Now I'm going to exhort you to action. And what does David say? Hope in God. Hope in God. That's what he does. He calls upon his soul to hope in God. And very likely, very likely, perhaps David, when he began to interrogate his soul, maybe he realized, I'm not trusting in the Lord. Maybe he realized, I am not hoping in God. And so in realizing that, he now urges his soul, hope in God, hope in God. I'm sure you've been there before. I've been there. You know, I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe in the providence of God. I believe that God rules all things. I believe that God is in control of everything microscopic. I believe God is in control of all things. But then when trials come, when trials come, when you're in that depressed condition, somehow I begin to think that God is not in control. Why is that? And so I have to go out, go out, and then 
I tell myself, wait, wait, wait. If God is not in control, then he's not God. He must be in control. Wait, God must be sovereign. If he's not sovereign, then he's not God. And so as I am asking myself these questions, I come to the conclusion, oh, he is sovereign. Yes, he is providential. Yes, he is in control. And once I have determined that, after interrogating my soul, I'm like, soul, God is sovereign. You can hope in him. You can trust in him. And that's what David does. As he recognized that he is not trusting in the Lord in light of being in a depressed condition, David says, soul, hope in God. Hope in God. And I would encourage you as well, if you're in that condition, hope in God. Tell your soul, hope in God. Even if you have to shout, shout, hope in God. So after the interrogation, we have the exhortation. And after the exhortation, we have the determination. There we find David was determined to do something. Look at the end of verse 5. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. David does not say, for I, I might, I will. For I will. Now all of a sudden, David is determined. He is resolved. Now we sing this song. I am resolved no longer to linger. That's David at that point. Now I am resolved. I've said to my soul, hope in God. And now I am determined. Determined for what? Let's look in the verse. Verse 5. Praise him for the help of his countenance. I am determined to praise him again. I am determined. I am determined to do that. Even though it is not a present reality right now. But David believes he is determined to praise God. In fact, he truly believes that he will be in the house of God. He truly believes he'll be in God's house and there'll be joy and he will praise again. Hope in God caused him to be determined. To be determined to praise the Lord. How about you? How about you? Have you determined to believe that there is light at the end of the dark tunnel? There is always light at the end of a dark tunnel. Think about the Apostle Paul. He was a, a man of determination. Despite all that he's gone through, the Apostle Paul, he suffered much. He was afflicted, shipwrecked, bitten by a snake. And yet, this man is able to say, for I reckon that the present suffering is not worth comparing with the glory that shall be revealed. He was determined to believe that there is a future glory that is to come. And therefore, he could say to his suffering, you're not worth comparing with that glory that shall be revealed. Paul, 
How could you say you do not faint? Paul, how could you say that you do not lose heart? Well, because of the surpassing glory that is to come. And I have determined to believe that this glory that is to come is exceeding. It surpasses all things. Oh, what about our Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, Christ, how could you go through all of that for us? I determined to believe that after the cross, there is a crown. I determined to believe that after the cross, there is the future glory of my people. Therefore, for the joy that is set before me, for the joy that is set before me, I endure the cross. Our Lord Jesus Christ was determined. In fact, I would like to show you an example of our Lord Jesus Christ in a depressed condition. And that, I hope, would encourage you because he sympathizes with our weaknesses and he's able to help. You don't have to turn there, but in Mark chapter, chapter um, I don't have it written there, but in, in Mark or Matthew chapter 26, actually, we read our Lord Jesus Christ saying this. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful. In John chapter 12, likewise, we read this. Now is my soul troubled. Consider that for a moment. Very God, very man. And there our Lord Jesus Christ has a troubled soul. He is in a depressed state. He never lived in a depressed state, but at that moment he was in a depressed state. In John chapter 12, verse 27, our Lord Jesus Christ says, Now is my soul troubled. You can turn there if you want to. Now is my soul troubled. Now is my soul filled with grief. Now I am grieved in spirit. Now I am emotionally stirred. Now I am in agony. And we know that our Lord Jesus Christ in Gethsemane was in such emotional condition that his sweat was turning into blood. In fact, that is a medical condition. That is a medical condition when you feel so much pressure upon you, upon your physical body. It has, it has effect physically. And our Lord Jesus Christ, his blood vessels, what was happening in his body at that point is that his blood vessels were bursting because he was anticipating to drink the cup of God's wrath on your behalf. And as I was thinking about this, he went through that because of me. Christ was in a depressed state because of me, because of my sin. There he is in the garden of Gethsemane and he is anticipating to have the wrath of his father poured upon him because of me. Christ, his soul was troubled because of me. He's about to have my sin placed upon his sinless, holy body. But what does he do though? How does he respond? Very interesting. He responds just like David did in John chapter 12, verse 27. We read this, now is my soul troubled and what shall I say? It's like he now interrogates himself. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour. It's almost like in this depressed condition, it's almost like the emotions are telling him, don't go to the cross, don't go to the cross. Hence, he asked the question, 
Should I say, Father, save me from this hour? But you know, Christ did not live in accordance to how he felt. What does he say afterwards? But for this cause I came to this hour. He now realigns his thinking to the will of his Father. For this cause I came into this world. And then he glorifies God. He's determined to glorify God. Father, glorify thy name. I would not be saved today and you would not be saved had our Lord Jesus Christ not endured through his depressed condition. He endured. And since our Lord Jesus Christ endured, you can endure as well. We can look at his enduring faith. We can behold his enduring faith. We can fix our eyes on the enduring faith of Christ and endure as well. And so that's what we find in Psalm 42. Interrogation. David interrogates his soul. He exhorts his soul. And then in the end, he is determined to praise God. He's determined to believe that one day he will be back in the house of God and he will worship again. So there is soul. There is hope for the depressed soul. And I'd like to end with this quote that I love. Come from a book by a man named William Dyer. And I end with this. William Dyer writes to comfort believers. Perhaps you're one of those here today who are in need of comfort. You need hope. But this is what William Dyer writes. Cheer up, Christians. Cheer up. This world is all the hell that you shall ever have. Here, you have your bad things. Your good things are yet to come. Here, you have your bitter things, but your sweet things are yet to come. Here, you have your prison, but your palace is yet to come. Here, you have your rags, but your royal robes are yet to come. Here, you have your sorrows. Your joy is yet to come. Here, you have your hell. Your heaven is yet to come. After the cup of affliction comes the cup of salvation. The sweetness of the crown which shall be enjoyed will make amends for the bitterness of the cross which was endured. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Cheer up, Christians. This world is all the hell that you shall ever receive. So there is hope tonight for the soul that is depressed. And if you're not a believer here tonight, if you're not a Christian, let me remind you that Christ came into this world to lay down his life for you. He took upon himself your sins. He suffered on your behalf. He went through a depressed state because of your sin upon his shoulders. And your response is this, to believe what Christ has done for you. He did everything 
the work is finished. On that cross, he said, it is finished. And when he said, it is finished, it is finished. All that is required of you is to believe in what he has accomplished on your behalf. And when you do believe in what Christ has done for you, all your sins will be forgiven, past, present, and future. And you will have eternal life. And you will have hope even as a Christian when you are in a depressed state. That's what the word of God says. And I hope you'll believe tonight. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we are so thankful for your word. We thank you for the Psalms. We thank you, Father, that we can identify with many of the, uh, the individuals, real people that we find in the word of God. So I do pray, Father, for your people here in front of me. I do ask, oh God, that you would help us to realign our minds and realign our thinking to the truth that is contained in the word of God. I do pray, oh Lord, that if any of us here today are in a depressed state, that you will please help us to interrogate our soul, help us to interrogate our soul and eventually exhort our soul to action, exhort our soul to hope and trust in the promises of God. And once we've done that, to be determined to praise and worship you. So I do pray, Father, you will bless those who are perhaps in a broken condition right now, in a broken state. So please, oh God, uphold them. You are close to the brokenhearted. You are close to those in depression. So I do pray, Father, that you would help them endure through this season that they are in. May you now take control of, of, of the rest of this service in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the man of sorrows. In his name I pray. Amen.